Dad, you know how you were saying I need to do more, be more, the whole fast fiber thing? Yes. Anyways, I saw that Vox is offering free standard installation and activation to the value of 3,000 rands. <laughs> that is a good deal. With the money you save, I can buy some new skins for Fortnite. Talk about money in the bank. With free activation to the value of 3,000 rand. Live smart, hack life, level up with Vox Fiber. Visit vox.co.za. T's and C's apply. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 255 for the week starting 31 March 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. WhatsApp the show. The number to use is 71 On Talk Central this week, we talk Apple's big services keynote. Also on the show this week... EOH's share price continues to plumb new depths, CETA's CEO steps down, and MTN's bosses rake in rich rewards. It's Sunday afternoon, it's 1pm, we're live streaming at live.techcentral.ca and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Uh, we were going to have a, um, a discussion about the new FPB uh, amendment bill today, Films and Publications um, Amendment Bill, um, uh, but our guest uh, has gone MIA, so we're going to hoping to get him on the show next week uh, to talk about that very imp- important piece of draft legislation. Mm. But there is plenty else to talk about this week, including that big Apple Services keynote, uh, which uh, took – when was it now? It was uh, – Last Monday. It was on Monday, yeah. 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 Um, so we're going to dive into that and uh, everything else that's been happening this week. But before we do that, let's do our quiz. The first question. Who was this week appointed as interim Mikasa chair following the axing of Ruben Mochlacha? Uh, and Naspash this week announced it would list its international internet assets on which stock exchange in a bid to unlock shareholder value? Who has replaced Satuma Mukhapi as CEO at the state agency on an interim basis? And how much, including bonuses, was MTN Group CEO Rob Shooter paid in the 2018 financial year, uh, according to its annual report? And the final question. Standard Bank Group this week said it would partner with which technology company as it looks to move many of its IT systems into the cloud? Big story that. Um, yeah, let's, uh, we'll get to the answers to the uh, quiz at the end of the show, but uh, let's, uh, let's dive into this week's news. And um, Apple was certainly the, the uh, big uh, trending international story this week. Uh, did you watch the keynote, Rehard? No, I kind of watched highlights afterwards. You know, these things kind of ramble on after. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they do, and you didn't miss terribly much. Yeah, I normally jump on like a half an hour afterwards because then you can scrub through the first, you know, little bits. And yeah, with Tim Cook going on about how wonderful Apple is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. We, we know. We know that, right? <laughs> um, but I was a bit disappointed, I must say. Um, so you know, it's, we knew what was coming. Um, they. This was going to be an exclusively services-based announcement. In fact, they announced, they announced new products in the week ahead of um, this keynote, uh, which was an interesting move by Apple. Um, first uh, uh, keynote they've ever done where they haven't announced new hardware, as far as I know. Mm, mm. Um, and the week before, they announced, what did they announce? New iMacs, um, product refreshes, new iPad, um, all done on through press releases and announced on their website rather than through anything more formal. Um, the new iPad Air looks quite nice, I must say. It uh, fills a nice gap in the market between the entry-level iPad and the new iPad Pro models. Um, it's probably going to do very well. But this, this this event was purely about services. It was about announcing their intentions to get into the video streaming market to take on Netflix. 
Um, it was about launching a um, streaming video game service, and it mm-hmm. was about launching um, a newspaper and magazine subscription bundle service called News Plus. Uh, that was and the credit. Oh, and the, the credit card, and of course the credit card, uh, the Apple Pay uh, credit card for use where uh, you card, can't yeah. pay, pay with your. Um, which apparently, by the way, doesn't support uh, tap and tap and go payments, which I thought was a bit interesting, a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting, and it's a very interesting play by them. Uh, getting into the financial market, they can kind of they've got the customer base. They're just kind of wanting to, I think, make more money off each transaction. Mm. That's probably probably the bottom line in the reality. But it's also kind of really good value add if you've really owned the customer, right? If yes. you can. And and from what I believe, uh, yeah, they're giving very good rates to people. Yes, yeah. So, but let's let's talk about the big announcements. And I think the biggest was probably the um, was probably the announcement about. Uh, oh, we just got a message here from our guest. Uh, he might be joining us in a moment. So nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, um, if he does jump in, we will talk about that uh, films and publications uh, amendment bill. But let's carry on talking about Apple in the meantime. Um, the, the big announcement, obviously, the, the video streaming service, although we don't have key details yet. We don't know how much it's uh, going to cost, for example, um, mm. uh, and that'll be critical. Um, we do know that they've said it's coming to over 100 markets, so we can assume that South Africa will be included in that. Yeah. Uh, what else? They, um, they've partnered with um, various actors and, and directors to, um, mm. To, mm. to launch some shows. Uh, the shows that they announced didn't particularly grab me, I must say, and I think they're going to have an uphill battle competing with, directly with Netflix. Yeah, and again, you know, you, you have to be on the this, the the ecosystem, right? So, yeah. You know, I can't put this on my TV because I don't. I've got a laptop not on my TV, not a not a Mac. So mm-hmm. even if I do this on my iPad, which is the only Mac device I have, I wouldn't. It's not a value proposition for me. Um, if you're an Apple fan, maybe. I, again, you know, I always uh, say people are going to have two or three streaming services. So people probably have Netflix and this and ditch something else, you know. Mm. It's probably a, more of a threat to um, some American-based uh, channels or some U.S.-based um, stations. But they, they include the likes of HBO and Showtime. So, you know, in the States, it's a, it's a good value proposition. Elsewhere for us, probably not so much. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was really silly of Apple actually to um – to not um, make it available on the web, for example, um, mm. or to develop apps, apps for Android um, and other platforms, um, but they clearly clearly see this as a, a value-added service for for Apple users more than anything else. Now they are making it available on Samsung and LG, and I think Sony smart TVs, um, but um, and I think on. Uh, on Roku boxes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, that, I mean, they're pushing their Apple TV system, right? So, they, they you don't have to have an iPhone, but once you get an Apple TV, you kind of want to get an iPhone. So, they, they kind of convert you from all angles here. It's a very clever marketing tactic. And it's, it's one you would expect a company to do if they want to, I guess, dominate everything. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, from my perspective, there's no way I'd go, I'd, even if I looked like the look of the programming, I'm not planning to buy Apple hardware to watch it. No, I agree. Um, but I, I think, you know, we, again, there are so many people that is loving that ecosystem and they have everything. They have the watch, they have the phone, they have the Apple TV. And, you know, I, we know those people. That's true in the States, but outside the States in South Africa, Apple is not very widely distributed. Um, Apple iPhone yeah. penetration here is tiny. iPad penetration is probably much tinier still. Um, mm. I, I'd, I'd venture that um, uh, it's a tiny percentage of households that have Apple TVs installed in them. 
Well, I mean, if you look again, if you look at the card announcement and everything they really do, that the the US is their market, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a market that they do everything for. That the iPhone was made for the for that market, and yeah. then kind of spilled out and became a bigger thing. Um, I think this is we you know we kind of seeing uh, we seeing what happens when a company is really good at what it does, and it's just kind of expanding services and taking on new industries where it's seeing uh, it can make profit. Yes, it, it might not be it might not be um, uh, of interest to us, I think, because um, those those shows will inevitably make their way onto other channels. They will get licensed eventually to other places. I'm sure of it. Yeah. If not, then you know we've got other stuff to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have to wait a few months to um, you know to find out more details about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I suspect that they're going to announce this around the time of the launch of the iPhone 11. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It's it's early days, but um, I, I must say I'm not blown away so far. No, I agree with you. The the, the most interesting part of that um, announcement for me was the Apple Arcade, actually the gaming stuff. Mm. Uh, I thought that was that kind of the Netflix of a gaming. Uh, Mobile device gaming service is pretty interesting and very compelling, especially if you look at the quality of the games on the Apple platform. So now all of a sudden you can pay one price, which I unfortunately haven't disclosed yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, again, if you're on the Apple ecosystem, it's now, it's now becoming, you know, you're getting a lot of value now, even though you're paying for that value as a service every month. Um, but there's a lot of cool things you can do if you've got all the Apple stuff. Um, but again, from a gamer's point of view, it'll be interesting to see what they do and how they execute. But I can't be on the market for that because I don't have Apple devices anymore. Yeah. And so they announced uh, this uh, the gaming streaming thing as well. Was there anything terribly exciting there? It's, I mean, it's going to be game game title exclusives. Um, and I, there was a piece, I think, on The Verge that suggested that um, Apple kind of had to do this because the um, because the App Store has become so polluted with these um, these sort of free to try um, mm. and then in game purchases and ads and all that sort of thing that, that many people have become disillusioned with it. Um, the idea behind this game streaming service is that um, it's not actually streaming; it's a subscription service uh, where you get access to uh, titles and you don't have to be online to play them. Um, mm. But the idea is they have then have curated games that don't have mm. in app purchases and and um, in app advertising. Mm. Um, I suppose it might be compelling if the games are good. Yeah, look, and and because I've got uh, this platform that they've enhanced and built for this, you know, we we definitely and, and they've got purpose-built games for this platform. You know, special storylines or improved storylines, apparently, and graphics. So I'm sure the experience will be great for for mobile gamers. But again, you're going to be locked in on an Apple. Um, device, which you know, I'm sure a lot of those games aren't going to make it onto the general store. Perhaps they will if um, if the developers are able to kind of port the existing games to both platforms. Uh, from I mean, Android and uh, iPhone with this new Apple Arcade uh, platform. But we've got so much option, right? As a gamer, Steam alone <laughs> will keep anybody happy for decades. You know, then we've got good old games. If you want some good old retro yeah. games, yeah, uh, it's a very tough market. I, I wonder how the developers are going to make money if there's no in-app purchases uh, and it's an all-you-can-eat gaming service. Well, the I subscriptions. So I suppose Apple's going to determine it based on amount of gameplay per game and apportion sure. it out sure. uh, to the developers. Uh, I don't know if that model makes sense for the game developers. Um, presumably, it, well, it has to; otherwise, they won't develop for it. 
I, I don't think it makes 100% sense, but I think it, it has the added benefit of bringing kind of numbers because people are more likely to then play the games. It's mm. the same as music streaming services, right? We know, unfortunately, the artists get the worst end of that deal. They're not getting as much money as what they should be. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a fact from all these streaming services. If you look at the numbers some, uh, that some of these artists have uh, put out there, uh, I think it's just about being on the platform, getting numbers, and using it as um, as a platform, you know, on other platforms. So using it as a plat- springboard platform um, to get your games out there and uh, get your brand out there. Mm. And the magazine subscription, similar idea, um, magazines and newspapers, um, mm. Apple News Plus, I think it's called. Um, some notable um, titles absent from it, um, including the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal is in there, um, plus a whole range of the magazines that you expect, like Wired and, and um, general interest magazines, tech magazines, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the idea um, of paying $10 a month and getting access to um, 300 titles, um, provided you know at least three or four or five of those titles are the titles I want to read. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's something you'd have to consider quite carefully. Uh, but certainly, it, it could be beneficial if you, re- especially if you already read a lot of magazines. Um, and uh, you know, I quite like the model. Um, I may end up yeah. subscribing, um, assuming it comes to South Africa. Yeah, look, if you've got that beautiful iPad Pro now, magazine articles again. You know, the the layout is designed for that type of thing. Mm. Um, but uh, there's another, there's a few other apps that does the service. Texture, I think, is one of them. Zinio for the local guys. I, I'm a, I like it. I just, I don't subscribe to one at the moment. I don't sit and read magazines as much. I just consume my content online. But mm. I do like it. There's nothing. <laughs> there, there's a lot of benefits, I guess, to reading good content. If you read a good magazine, like you know, Rolling Stone, that's a cool magazine to read. Some mm. nice uh, um, kind of. M- current affairs type of content on yeah, um, that you won't necessarily find online. And also the layout and the way the images are shot and placed in the magazine, it's kind of different to reading a um, website. To the website, yeah. yeah. I like magazines. I, um, I, you know, a really well-designed magazine, you can see a lot of effort has gone into that, into the typography, into mm. the photography, into the, into the way the text and the pictures are aligned. Um, Clever headline writing, um, mm. a beautifully designed magazine as a piece of art. But we're also a little bit biased because we're both from that era, right? <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I mean, I cut my teeth on uh, washing proofs for magazines, you know. So yeah. I, I think that we appreciate the art in that, but the, I, I think it's the way it's curated content, right? And that yeah. is what the internet lacks in a lot of places because everything is open to you. So you, you don't really get presented curated content as much yeah. unless you only read one source like if you go to a new york times or something and and kind of get your stuff from there but i like the magazine format i like the uh, you know it doesn't always have to be the latest current affairs it's well thought out pieces that require a little bit more Mm. you know you don't need always need the breaking stuff and i think we get we get kind of um uh, swayed by that we just read the first few headlines and we never get back to that article yeah so again, uh, proof will be in the pudding but it sounds like an interesting idea so i look forward to seeing more about it closer to the launch date 
So that's it, really. That's Apple's uh, services uh, announcement <laughs> um, in, in a nutshell. Um, the next big Apple event is likely to be WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference, which usually happens around June. Yeah. Um, I think latest June, and that's where we'll see the first um, uh, preview release of iOS 13, which I'm really looking forward to, uh, because apparently big changes are coming to the iPad uh, version of the software, and I think that's long overdue, including a complete yeah. change to the yeah. home screen. Um, they need to bring more productivity-orientated um, features into the iPad to make it more PC-like, I think, more more mm. like a personal mm. computer for work, doing day-to-day work, especially with that uh, if you attach a keyboard and a mouse to it, um, uh, I think that uh, that iOS needs quite a lot of work, and I think a lot of reviewers have pointed that out. Yeah, and then, yeah. of course, after that, we've got um, the iPhone launch, uh, which usually happens sometime in September. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the I- what's rumored to be called the iPhone XI or the iPhone 11. Um, or, the, or the foldable iPhone XI? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think, Apple's, Apple's a conservative company. They will now. never do that. Yeah, they will never do that. Uh, the rumor is it's going to have a triple camera um, set up on the back. It looks not dissimilar, interestingly enough, to the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Um, so in, in, in many respects, uh, Apple is uh, a follower now of the Android world. I know that's a controversial statement, especially for Apple users. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so you broke up there for a second. I actually couldn't hear the last uh, say statement you made. Oh, sorry. I was just saying that the uh, uh, the uh, Apple is now a follower of the Android world. Um, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Apple Apple um, fans won't appreciate that statement, but I think it's true. Mm, I mm. think it's true. Um, the Android world is now leading in innovation, not necessarily in software. Um, I think there's possibly an argument to be made that iOS is still a better phone operating system than Android. Mm, mm. Uh, but um, in terms of hardware innovations, I think the Android world has overtaken them. Oh, yeah. And, and let's be honest, it's what we have with Windows as well back in the day, it's, or, or still today. It's, you have more diversity within the hardware because more people would develop for it. So mm. uh, it's exciting. And there's lots of innovation but, happening there. And if you, certainly if you look at um, the... the if you look at the Mate 20 Pro and then if you look at the new Samsung Galaxy S10 and S10 Plus, mm, mm. Um, that shows you where, where smartphones is go- are going. And I think the, that the Apple, Apple is going to have no choice but to copy the Samsung later this year by putting in the, in the, the what do they call it, the pinhole camera uh, on the front and the yeah, screen and yeah. getting, getting rid of that awful notch and, um, and putting in a triple camera system on the rear, which has become the standard now in, uh, or is becoming mm. the standard in, mm. in high-end Android handsets. Yeah, it's fantastic to finally. I mean, we we kind of getting to a place now where it's. Uh, I mean, we still it's still a boring piece of glass now, but we we starting to see some interesting developments. At least there's something new on the horizon with foldable. I mean, as they don't they don't look as good as what they should, I think yet. But um, you know, again with the pinhole idea. We're seeing a lot of interesting things. At least we're seeing some interesting things in the industry. Mm. Um, for me, the Apple is still very expensive, right? Still a pretty pricey. If 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 you are within the ecosystem, so if you've got the the hardware the, and the notebook, the phone, the watch, um, compared to the to the price you'll spend likely for for Android equivalents or non Apple yeah. versions of those hardware. I mean, we know that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Although the Android um, flagships have been creeping up in price as well. They're still not quite as expensive as Apple's offerings. Yeah, no, they're still not. I mean, yeah, yeah they they still lag, but um, I think that the bang for your buck is certainly there. Even if you look at the lower end of the um, the Android smartphone, you know, you get some really nice um, five-inch screen devices or six-inch screen devices that uh, offer you everything you want. Yeah. Um, you know, and most people don't need high-end hardware. 
that mid-range of the Android market is actually the most exciting part of the smartphone market right now. And, uh, you know, we tend to look, we tend to focus on these high-end phones and we love using them, etc. But mm. In, in, in that mass market, in that big middle segment, um, in the sort of, I don't know, 5,000 to 10,000 rand price range, there are some amazing phones now. Yeah, didn't some th- didn't a brand launch this week uh, and the name completely escapes me on South Africa? Um, also, a, a, a phone that launches in that range. What I want to say… Honor? Honor, that's the one. That's it, yeah. Honor, yeah. I think they're part of Huawei, if I'm not mistaken. Could be mistaken there, but I think they're part of Huawei. It's a mm. Huawei sub-brand, I think. Oh, okay, mm. okay. Still, I mean, if it's going for a good price, you're getting it. I mean, yeah. we know Huawei's hardware is solid. Mm. Um, and Nokia's doing very well as well um, in that mid-range market. Um, I mean, mm. that Nokia, Nokia 7 Plus, I think it's called. Um, very competent phone um, at a very good price point. Um, and there are oh, lots yeah. of devices oh, like yeah. that. There's a Samsung um, A-series. Um, I think it's the A7. Uh, mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. away, Siri. What did I say Samsung and Siri pops up in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Samsung. It's <laughs> uh, so, a <laughs> uh, So, yeah, that's an exciting, exciting segment of the market and one mm-hmm. which, in which mm-hmm. Apple does not play at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, something I was going to say earlier about the iPad, what they do have going for them is their hardware just lasts. Mm. So my biggest problem as an iPad user from, you know, I bought mine a few years ago. This thing is very old. It doesn't, well, it won't take the latest updates. Mm. But the hardware is still practically brand new looking. And it's always been the case. It looks great. The screen is still fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a weird conundrum that you sit with. Like mm. This hardware still looks fantastic. It works well for, for Netflix, for example. Yeah. But some new apps won't work. The new software won't work. So that's Apple's biggest problem. I think with any other brand, the hardware kind of fades or kind of tends to not last as long um, as five to six years you know, mm. on, on the tech front. Yeah, I don't think iPhones last that long, but I think for uh, yeah, people drop mm. them and they break them and stuff. But um, an iPad, especially an iPad that isn't lugged around with you, one that stays at home on your coffee mm. table, mm. they they do. Mm. They just last and last and last. Uh, and it's a pity Apple doesn't. You know, I, well, I mean, kudos to Apple for actually upgrading them for as long as they do, because um, oh, yeah. no one in the Android world does that. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, I mean, you buy an iPad today, you can expect our software updates for at least the next five or six years, um, oh, yeah. which is really good. Um, but yeah, what I tend to do is hang on to my iPad. Until the software updates stop coming, then I hand it off to someone in my family or a friend, and then get the new one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you get the then you get all the calls to say, "Why doesn't this thing want to update to this latest app?" <laughs> yeah, I just um, I, you know, for someone, if you know, you pass it on to someone who you know who doesn't have an, a tablet at all, and they they'd be very grateful, mm-hmm. even if there aren't software updates available. And if you, frankly, if you give them an old Android device, it's not going to be as good as um, an old Apple iPad. Yeah. Mm. Look, for emails, browsing, um, and, and streaming video, I mean, an old iPad still works yeah. very, very well. And that's what most people need, you know. For, for I mean, it's a great device if you, you know, put it in your kitchen with one of those little portable JBL speakers or mm. something, pair them up mm. and uh, stream Apple Music or, or Spotify all day. On, yeah, you know. yeah. They can be repurposed in, in so many different ways. You could… Um, get rid of the magazine rack in your bathroom and <laughs> put an old iPad. <laughs> Whoa, okay, let's not go there. You might want to put some 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 wipes next to the iPad too, so you can get wiped the iPad down when you're done with it. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's only your use, you know. <laughs> Even then, <laughs> it's like the magazines in the doctor rooms. I never touch those things because everybody reads true. them. Yeah. 
I, that's, I'm the same. I see these, and they're all curled up there, and you just know some sick person has been paging through this thing. I won't touch them either. <laughs> anyway, let, before we go any more, get any more lavatorial on this show, um, let's move on to um, let's move on to some of the other news that's been happening this week. So EOH, good grief, this company's share price. So it it fell below ten rand uh, this week. I think for the first time since about. Oh, in the first time in about 10 years, um, you know, this share price uh, was above 170 rand just a couple of years ago, and now below 10 rand. Um, and uh, the market, I think, is starting to panic. Uh, worries that, um, you know, those, these stories um, about alleged corruption coming out of the, the company, the Microsoft terminating their agreement with the EOH uh, Mtombo subsidiary and now other subsidiaries within the EOH group. Um, and I think there are concerns that, um, you know, yeah, staff incentive schemes must be underwater. Management incentive schemes must be underwater. How do they retain talent? You know, the intellectual property is 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 their core business, um, and they, they've got to ensure that they keep those top skills uh, from going to the competition. So it's tough times for EOH. Um, but I think the biggest reason the share price has been falling in the last week or so is that uh, they were scheduled to announce their interim financial results, and they put out a statement on the stock exchange news service saying that they're delaying that by three weeks um, while they uh, do a, I think it was a cleanup of the balance sheet or an investigation of the balance sheet. But that sort of thing is always very um, uh, concerning. It's never positive when you delay the publication of your financial results, especially after you've already Mm -hmm. said you're going to publish them. So um, the results were pushed out by three weeks. Um, There's rumors in the market, who knows if they're true or not, that a big write-down might be coming. Um, but uh, we're going to have to wait a couple of weeks, and uh, I think the pressure on the share price might remain until those results come out uh, just on investor nervousness about what might be announced, what might be coming at those results. So EOH has had a terrible time in the last uh, mm. couple of years, and um, it, uh, it shows no sign of improving anytime soon. But I think all eyes will be on those financial numbers when they get reported in a couple of weeks from now. So, yeah, tough times for EOH, which um, I think at one point was the largest listed IT company by market capitalization on the JSE. Um, Other interesting news this week, CETA, state IT agency, their CEO stepped down, um, effective from Friday. Um, A big blow, I think, for CETA, which historically has been a very dysfunctional organization. You know, it's responsible for... Uh, procurement for um, a range of government departments um, and I think provincial and possibly local government as well. I think certainly they'd, they'd provide a lot of services at national level. Um, their CEO, Satuma Mohapi, has been in the job for the last four years. His contract expired at the end of this last week and um, he asked the board to be relieved of his duties at a board meeting this week. Um, I spoke to a CETA spokeswoman, Anthea Summers, who said that um, he's been under a lot of stress and this has been affecting his health. And um, while the board wanted him to stay on for another six months um, as kind of a handover period, he um, he asked to be relieved early. Um, he's done a fantastic job at CETA, turning it around, cleaning out the corruption, reporting corrupt employees to the Hawks for investigation. Mm, mm. Um, he he's uh, and, and it cannot be easy dealing with that sort of situation. Coming into a dysfunctional organization, a corrupt organization, and starting to clean up, you're going to come up against vested interests. You're going to come up against nasty people. Mm. Um, he had death threats leveled against him, um, but he pressed on. Um, he uh, he's. Um, 
everyone I've spoken to him says he's a great guy. I've met him on many occasions, um, very softly spoken, but very determined. Um, and he, he cleaned the place up and put it on a much stronger footing. And I think the worry now is that uh, with him stepping aside, that CETA will revert to its old ways. Um, I spoke to when I spoke to Anthea Summers, the spokeswoman for CETA, she said, no, we're on a stronger footing now. We're not going to allow this place to backslide. Mm. Um, we are going to ensure that we build on what Satuma Mohapi has done as a CEO over the past four years. So I hope that's true. Um, uh, because prior to his arriving, there's just a succession of, of CEOs in and out the door every year. Um, and the place had become dysfunctional. So um, I, I hope she's right that um, they are going to um, put a solid, competent CEO and to replace the Tumor Wahapi, um, and that whoever it is that replaces him continues to build on his successes. Uh, yeah. But if history is any indication, I'm I'm not terribly hopeful. But uh, let's let's hope anyway that uh, that it doesn't backslide. Um, it's a big loss for the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me he's planning to go into the private sector now. Um, I think he's had enough of government. <laughs> He's done his national, <laughs> done his national duty. In fact, he was he was um, called into CETA. Um, he was redeployed from Centec, where he was the CEO. And I know that he loved Centec, um, the broadcasting signal distribution company. He was just getting settled in there. Um, I know he was a big fan of the team there. He enjoyed the work at Centec, um, and uh, he got the call uh, that sorry guy, you're going to have to go to CETA. We need you there. And reluctantly, mm. he went across and uh, took on that role. But mm. I don't think he ever wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I think he's. I, I kind of. Sure. I haven't asked him this, but I kind of think he's glad to be out of there. Yeah, I don't think it can be easy. And let's be honest: the support, if in a, in, a, in a relatively corrupt environment, isn't going to be on your side, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, some, someone doing very well at the moment is um, Rob Shooter, the Group CEO of MTN. Um, annual results or annual report, rather, published this week. And, of course, under corporate governance rules, um, JSE-listed companies have to set out in some detail um, how much they pay their top executives, their directors, as well as their senior management. And um, so they, this was disclosed in detail in the MTN Group Annual Report. And uh, some pretty eye-watering numbers. Uh, <laughs> so Rob Shooter was paid 42.9 million rand in the 12 months ended 31 December 2018. Um, up from 40.6 sure. million, so that's 82, 83 million rand over the last two financial years. Um, and other top executives were also very handsomely rewarded. So Shooter received a basic salary of 15.3 million rand, uh, which was up from 11.5 the year before, which was for 10 months of work, uh, plus another 25.3 million rand in bonuses, 1.6 million rand in post-employment benefits, and um, three quarters of a million rand in other benefits. Um, so th- those are good numbers <laughs> in anybody's book. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those are numbers that can afford the Apple ecosystem. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so just looking through the numbers here. So uh, their prescribed offices, um, basically their top management team, received total remuneration of 177 million rand in 2018. Um, some some of the top earners included Godfrey Motza, who's the MT in South Africa CEO, who received almost 24 million rand. Um, Michael Fleischer, 15 million rand. He's their head of legal, um, uh, and other top uh, top paid executives. I'm just looking through the list here. Um, but yeah, uh, big bucks they, these guys earn. Um, a lot of a lot of you know when you see these numbers like this, a lot of people um, immediately say, "Geez, fat cats overpaid. How how do they deserve these sort of salaries, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, while I hear that that criticism, at the same time, I also hear, well, you know, these guys' skills are very rare. Um, you know, not very. There are very few people who could actually run a company like MTN successfully. Um, maybe they deserve the money, and if the shareholders are uh, happy to um, vote in favour of the remuneration policy. Um, whose business is it ours to criticize how much these guys get paid? Mm. Also, we need to keep in mind, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, de- pay and demand, right? There isn't an, enough people that can run businesses at these levels. Mm. Uh, if there were more people, if there were more of these, um, you know, seriously clever business strategists, strategists in multiple businesses growing, become to become CEOs. I'm sure we're seeing more of that now. But mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> if there were more people out there, definitely. But like you said, it's 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 not just running. It's not manage. It's not your average management role, right? No, <laughs> no. Um, certainly, the the numbers are eye watering. But um, it's entirely possible they deserve it. And it's a matter between their shareholders and the management team. And um, if uh, if they if the shareholders aren't happy, they can vote down the remuneration policy at the. Uh, mm. At the annual general meeting, um, th- that very rarely happens, and, and maybe in my stance needs a little bit more nuance. But um, at the end of the day, it's a private company. The shareholders have a say. Um, if uh, this is what it costs to retain this talent and the talent's worth it, then pay them that much. Maybe I'm wrong. If you want to, fl- <laughs> if you want to, fl- no, I agree with it. <laughs> if, if you want to flame me, send a WhatsApp to oh seven one triple nine double one double one. Tell me why these guys don't deserve these sort of salaries. And that Rechot, I think, is our uh, our show in terms of the news. Shall we? Um, shall we move on to our regular features? Um, yeah. Our winner this week is Nasbach CEO Bob van Dijk. I think we've picked before actually uh, mm. for the unbundling of multi choice, but um, he's certainly moving quickly to uh, to restructure. Uh, the Naspash group and um, announcing this week that he's going to list the the group's in, uh, international internet businesses on Euronext Amsterdam in the Netherlands um, as a further way of, of unlocking sh- shareholder value for, for Naspash shareholders. Um, the idea being that um, the, that Naspash had become to make up too much of the JSE of the JSE's total value, and that um, institutional investors here in South Africa. Um, couldn't actually invest more in it, um, and, mm. you know, for the risk of, of of being too exposed to one company. Uh, so the idea is that by by listing uh, overseas, um, the the real value of this thing will become uh, will will be unlocked. So the suggestion is that uh, on the JSC, the share price is depressed um, simply because people can't invest any more in this company than they already have. Um, so I think it's a smart move. Um, mm. Probably do more, mm. much more than the, the separate listing of multi choice to unlock shareholder value. Um, and so certainly the share price has already started rising since the announcement was made. The listing should happen sometime in the second half of this year, um, at the earliest, they said, I think. Um, but um, that's, that's, that's going ahead, and it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of valuation European investors put on Nicepash once it's listed in Amsterdam. Um, it could be quite markedly different to the valuation that South African investors have put on Nicepash to date. Um, so that's our winner this week, Bob van Dijk, of the CEO of Naspash. And our loser this week is um, is Google, um, because this week marks the end, the nail in the coffin of a uh, <laughs> once very promising service called Google+. Plus. It shuts down this uh, Tuesday, I think, is the last day. Um, and it's gone. Are you going to miss it? Uh, what was what was Google Plus again? I can't even remember. <laughs> it was that attempt to take on Facebook. 
but the Zuck killed it. Yeah. yeah. No, don't miss it. Hmm. Yeah, it's gone. No, and I suspect no one cares. But Google really has not had success in social media, has it? Um, it had a lot. Of, yeah, it hasn't. But it had a lot of success with SEO guys, from what I believe. A lot of it was used very successfully to, right. um, you know, to publish content on there, and it kind of it, it, it got good numbers. So okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't we, we still. I don't know if it was we, a Google thing or if it was, Tech Central still posts all its stories onto Google Plus. So we'll, we'll stop doing it th- that this week when it closes mm, down. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've always wondered whether Google. Um, uh, gives favored nation status to um, to to publishers that put stuff onto uh, onto um, onto Google Plus, but mm. yeah, yeah, we'll never know now. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> right, you you've got an interesting sounding pick this week. What is it? So Duncan, why do you get the gamer that's got everything? An NVIDIA GeForce twenty eighty Ti. Yeah, that's a good call. But what if you do what? That, that's that's not a bad gift. But if you want to one up that thing, you get you get the Acer Predator Triton nine hundred. Now listen, listen to these specs. This thing's got a Core i seven eighty seven fifty processor, so that's a nice high end. Thirty two gigs of RAM. Uh, it's got two five twelve gigabyte SSD drives. Uh, wow. SSD and NVMe should I should Ooh, be noted. Very and, fast. Um, then it has got under the hood. Uh, RTX 2080 graphics card. Now, keep in mind, this is a notebook. And then the final nice little feature that this thing has got that kind of blows my mind is its beautiful screen that flips around and turns this thing into a touchpad, like an iPad-type kind of touchpad device, touchpad notebook. Uh, It's got a super high-res 4K screen. I mean, this thing Mm. is absolutely beautiful. Sounds stunning. It is. It's, prob- it's probably the most high. Well, it is the most high spec, high performance notebook I've ever looked at. This thing is an absolute killer. How long does the battery uh, last if you uh, unplug it from the mains and fire up Battlefield Five? Okay, so <laughs> what should be noted is these machines, gaming notebooks, don't aren't really designed to game without it Power. being plugged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. your graphics card will either throttle down completely or switch over to the NVIDIA internal graphics card uh. Uh, to preserve power. So yeah, you're not going to be running um, full RTX on Battlefield graphics with battery power. I mean, right. if you could, you can probably override it. If you could, uh, it'll it'll probably be a 20 minute experience. I guess. <laughs> so this this is this is like a portable computer gaming computer more than yes, a notebook yes gaming yeah. computer obviously but keep in mind for people that edit video or people that need a kind of a high spec machine with kind of top-end graphics lots of memory a really good graphics card this is the type of machine they'll go for what i like about this thing is it, it it's kind of thin it's it's a really thin notebook it doesn't weigh as much as what you think especially not considering the hardware that it's got in um, and, and you should also check out a picture of this thing because it's got a very interesting design. Like I said, it, the, the screen swivels around, but like you know, a normal, normal uh, computer where the touchpad is uh, between you and the screen, um, the keyboard is now actually sitting at the bottom where your touchpad normally is. Mm. On the top, you've got this really cool translucent design where you can see some of the internals. And then your touchpad is situ- situated to the immediate right of the computer, okay. uh, of the of the wrist pad. Um, and then the touchpad also flips, uh, turns into a keypad, you know, a digital keypad. It's it's a very cool design, very cool idea. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty blown away. But unfortunately, for, for $4,000, which is probably going to be, what, like 60, 65 grand in South Africa, maybe a bit or more. more. <laughs> <laughs> or more. This, this isn't your average kind of, let's just go and get a notebook this month. But, you know, you're paying for the specs. This thing isn't going to, um, you know, you're not going to need to upgrade your machine for a while. Because 2018 is, is pretty high end. And you don't really need something like that for a gamer. But uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of software developers still need to develop, you know, mm. cool software for that new technology, um, the longevity of this will certainly uh, be so, quite, uh, be there. It's, oh, it's a 17-inch screen, I should be noted. It's oh, a wow. 17-inch screen. So is, is the target market here pro gamers, people who go to gaming tournaments to compete? No, I wouldn't say. No? Yeah, look, there's a small, small fraction of those guys. It's partly, it's partly, look, these companies need to create kind of the ultimate product, Right. This, it's a showcase. Uh, a lot of these, it's a showcase product, mm. which is available. I don't think they sell thousands, but there is a niche market of guys that want. And 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 I would recommend. I would probably rec uh, I would probably say, um, you'd have more Hollywood uh, animators buying stuff like this than you would have hardcore gamers. Oh, right. But it, it's it's you still have you know gamers with money will buy mm. something like this because this is at mm. the moment one of the best machines out there. Yeah. Um, but you're buying it for the power. You want to you want to do video editing on this for that screen. Mm. That 4K screen is absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, and and you know the, it's, it's the first time I've seen a gaming notebook that flips into a you know touchscreen device. So it's unique. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you'll probably see a bigger audience for this thing. You know, your executive who wants just the best, nicest looking machine that runs Windows and uh, you know maybe play the odd game of Doom after after work. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the most important question of of course is how does it run Minesweeper? Oh oh, it is fantastic. Does Windows Ten have Minesweeper? <laughs> I actually don't. I think you can download it in the store, <laughs> <laughs> and you can certainly download the old Solitaire game in the store. So I'm sure Minesweeper is there as well. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, just for nostalgic. My record, um, my well, record in Minesweeper, by the way, on the easy level is seven seconds. Um, <laughs> it took me years of practice to get there. Jeez. Yeah, no, no. I never got into that. I never know. Oh, I loved wow, Minesweeper. I loved Minesweeper. When did they first introduce it? It was in Windows 3.1 or something. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was working, I was trying to, trying to break software and make things happen in the back end rather than playing Minesweeper. <laughs> when I sat in front of the computer. <laughs> Cool. Now the last, sorry, just one, hmm. one last thing I wanted to mention on this that that, that is very cool, um, and and it adds a new functionality to the, to the screen being able to flip around is that you can actually connect um, an Xbox One wireless uh, wireless controller to it. It's got this little dongle on this this little slot on the side that you can actually connect your controller directly into. Um, so if you flip this thing over into a screen only, you've got a pretty nice uh, gaming environment. If you know what I'm saying with a controller, mm. so it's it's kind of like a a, a console PC based hybrid device. So if you're into gaming and high end stuff, it's, it's a very good option. And now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So my pick this week is I don't know if you know, Richard, I'm a bit of a weather geek. I um, almost went to study meteorology at the University of Pretoria when I finished school. Um, oh, yeah. Decided to go into uh, into journalism instead. I don't know what I was thinking, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the lovely these brilliant two apps that work on both Android and iOS and the web for that matter, um, mm -hmm. uh, Venture Sky and Windy. Uh, my favourite of the two is Venture Sky. 
um, brilliant apps uh, that um, and websites that um, show you the most detailed information about global weather from wind speed around the world and beautiful pictorial um, um, representations. So, you know, that cyclone that hit Mozambique today, uh, mm. That hit Beira um, a few weeks ago. I was watching that in Venture Sky and Windy coming down the Mozambique Channel, and you can drill right into it, see wind, wind peak wind speeds around the core of the cyclone, watch its movement, watch its forecast track, so you can set the forecast into the future to see where it's likely to go. And you can do this with any weather hmm. system um, around the world. Um, you can zoom all the way out, see the whole planet, um, where it's raining in the world, where where, where the winds are blowing. Um, ocean. So it's all live. It's all live. It's all live data. Um, ocean temperatures. Wow. Um, you name it. You can. You can. Um, you can drill in and get the information. Uh, my personal favorite is, is Venture Sky, um, but Windy is also very good. Um, there are a couple of others out there. There's one called Earth as well, um, which is a little trickier to use, um, but also very good, mainly for wind speed. Um, but um, fantastic apps. So if you're in any way interested in the weather um, and uh, are keen to just have a look at um, what's happening around the world and particularly you know, going down and having a look at cyclones, especially when they're in our area out of interest, um, both apps are very good and I can highly recommend them. So it's Vent U Sky, Vent U Sky, um, and Windy. Um, great apps. Those are my picks this week. I'm looking at the site now. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It's stunning. Hey, which one are you on? Vent U Sky. Vent U Sky. Mm. I think you may have mentioned this before because it looks familiar. I may have. But it, it's it's a beautiful, yeah. I mean, just the way that it shows the wind direction. I'm just looking at the clouds here, for example. And that's always interesting to see. Where's the cloud cover coming from or where's, or where's the cloud coming from? Where's it going? That type yeah. of yeah. gives you a good basic indication of the weather. Yeah. And uh, it's nice to see it uh, very easily displayed. Yeah, I like it. Um, and if you look at the rainfall, the precipitation, it's not going to be deadly accurate. So, um, it, you know, if you drill it two hours in the future and it suggests it's raining over Joburg, it means there's probably a chance of rain, but it's not necessarily actually raining. Mm. It just gives mm. you a, a kind of a view of where the rain is roughly. It's not a radar, um, so it's not going to give you an exact representation of exactly where the rain is, but it's still… It's still but it does have a radar feature. I saw that, but it doesn't. It may work better in places like the U.S. and Europe, um, where that information oh, is more readily available. Um, the South African Weather Service does have radars around the country, but um, they tend to keep that information proprietary behind, um, you know, behind a firewall. So, um, oh, we forgot to own the weather, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think they sell it on subscription to um, to aviators and to the airports oh, okay. and stuff. Um, it would be great if they did make that info info available to. Services like Venture Sky, but I think they profit from it, so they probably won't do that. So, if you look at the radar for in Venture Sky for Europe and the US, you'd probably find that that is actually accurate radar, whereas here it's not. And that, uh, apart from our song pick, which is uh, mine this week, is our show. Um, shall we do our quiz results quickly? Uh, yeah, our quiz results. Um, our first question this week was Who was this week appointed as interim ICASA chair following the axing of Ruben Mochler Locha? And that is Kia Betswe Modi Moeng. The second question. Narspes this week announced it would list its international assets on the, which stock exchange in a bid to unlock shareholder value. And the answer is Euronext Amsterdam. And who has replaced Satumo Mohapi as CEO of the state IT agency on an interim basis? And that is Strategic Stakeholder Management Executive Ntutule Chenye. Uh, the fourth question, how much, including bonuses, was M10 Group CEO Rob Shooter paid in the 2018 financial year, according to its annual report? 
And the answer is a whopping forty-two point nine million. Yep, he can afford. Chunk of change. He, he can afford the next iPhone. And, oh yeah, and the iPad <laughs> and the subscription services. Everything. Give him one of everything as Oprah. <laughs> uh, for, did you see Oprah at the end of the keynote uh, this week? <laughs> no, <laughs> she, I came, didn't. she came what on. Did you do? She came on stage and she um, she said something very. Uh, I don't know. It was. She was she was waffling, just talking meaningless stuff. I thought, mm-hmm. but I was kind of she was standing on stage there, looking all prim and proper, and I was just waiting for her to say, "And an iPhone for you, and you over there, an <laughs> iPhone for you." <laughs> I was kind of disappointed when Imagine, she did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a fun in that. Oprah. Yeah, indeed. Um, and the last question in this week's quiz: Standard Bank Group this week said it would partner with which technology company as it looks to move many of its IT systems into the cloud, and that's Amazon Web Services. Hmm. And that's our show this week. Uh, Rechard, you went to the Cure concert. Uh, when was it last week? Uh, two weeks ago now. Th- yeah, two, two weeks ago. Was it last week? No, two weeks ago now, I think. Right? Okay. How was it? It could have been last week. I actually don't know. It was very good. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Okay. Um, I didn't go. I'm a, rel- I'm a relatively new fan, but yeah, if you didn't go, you mm. missed out. If you're a music fan, it was fantastic. Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I was a big fan of their album uh, Disintegration, um, which was, I think was released around the late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, I think it was. Uh, 19, there we go, 1989. Um, and I, I listened to this album nonstop for a year. Uh, mm. I enjoyed it so much. I never really got into their other stuff. Um, I'm not sure why, but this album just really appealed to me. So I'm going to play out in honor of the cure being in South Africa. Uh, this last week, I'm going to play out with a song of the disintegration album. It's called Pictures of You. Until next time, from Rechada myself. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.